The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderan, back again to talk some Chiefs as the uh, agonizingly slow offseason continues here. Verderan, how you doing today, man? It's a nice day here in Chicago. It is a nice day. Uh, doing well. Getting a lot of writing done before I go on vacation here in a couple of weeks. Uh, just, just trying to get ahead. Uh, in, enjoying a little date night with the wife after this. So, good. No complaints. How are you? Oh. What's going on? Dinner and a movie? You guys going somewhere? Uh, going with friends to a to a brewery. So uh, just just enjoy nice. some beers, and uh, you know, while I'm there, I'll have my 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 Casey Beer Co. Uh, polo shirt yeah. on. So uh, you know, just a little uh, little little bit of letting them know that it's it's not quite Casey Beer Co. It's it's okay. You know, we'll we'll be okay. <laughs> That's the way to go. Are you uh, you got someone watching the kids? Uh yeah, the in laws coming over. Uh clutch clutch move. Uh, in laws, I hope you left a bottle of wine for him. About eight of them. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's up, Mason? What's up, everybody in the chat? Appreciate you guys. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I got to let you know that we're brought to you by our friends at the Kansas City Beer Company. Casey Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. You know them. You hear us talk about them. They brew their beer according to the German purity laws of 1516. The beer is fantastic. If you're in Kansas, Western Missouri, look for that red Casey Beer Co., uh, carton when you're out there in the store. If you haven't tried it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm, uh, I've been drinking the Dunkel like crazy all summer long, and the pills isn't too bad as well. So, uh, dare to beer different and support Casey Beer Co. Shout them out on Twitter at Casey Beer Co. All right, let's get into some Chiefs talk. A big one here I got to talk to you about. What's up, Gary, in the chat? What's up, uh, Jerome? What's up, Carol? Howdy, Carol. I want to talk to you about this. Speaking of beer, it's not Casey Bierko. It's not on the same level. But Coors Light, Patrick Mahomes, this hilarious commercial uh, that Patrick Mahomes did for a Coors Light flashlight. It's a flashlight. Apparently, NFL players are not allowed to sponsor, have beer sponsors, so Mahomes can't get in there at Casey Beer. Tell us about this. Uh, tell the audience if they didn't catch it about this 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 craziness with Mahomes and Coors Light. Yeah, he put it on Twitter uh, on Wednesday. It was a I guess you call it a one minute long commercial where essentially he's clearly promoting Coors Light, but he's legally promoting a Coors Light flashlight, which in a lot of ways, of course, is shaped like a beer can and looks like a beer can, but also functions as a flashlight, which is very funny. And also it's pretty cool. It goes, uh, all the proceeds go to Mahomes' foundation, which is 15 in the Mahomes. It's sold out in less than 10 minutes. So not only was yeah. the commercial funny, uh, which you can see on his Twitter feed, and I'm sure you could find it anywhere on Google, it was also really effective. So good yeah. on him, good on Coors Light for being creative. And yes, the NFL, they have their own partnerships. They're, they're exclusive, obviously. So you know players can't be going out and, and, and pushing Corona. But um, yeah, Mahomes found a fun way to get around it and uh, did, did good with it, did good with the money. So good for him. Are you one of these weird fans that gets like annoyed when when athletes do too many endorsements? No, I think they should do everything. I will yep. let people know right now. I'm a, I'm up for any endorsement you can find. Okay, I it, hey yep, same. Yeah, hey, look, hey kids, kids, uh, you know you like Marlboro, smoke a pack. I I don't oh, care. God. I don't care. Casey Beer. I'll, I'll sell. You know, hey, listen, cigarettes companies want me to uh, advertise to the kids out there. I you know, hey, listen, money's money. But what, what would your what would your would you be like uh, like the camel guy? You know, Camel. Yeah, you know, there's Joe Camel, right? There's the Marlboro Man. Joe Camel. Yeah. You could be like an angry Chiefs fan. Yeah, listen, let's bring back Lucky Strike. You know, hey, 
Right. You know, <laughs> one lung cancer. Yeah. Get your lucky strikes today. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I have no problem. I always laugh. There's an old clip of like Joe Namath, who, you know, obviously was a Jets quarterback for a decade or so in the 60s and 70s. And he basically advertising everything. And there's a clip of him talking on like the old NFL Today pregame show. And I think he's talking to Phyllis George. And he's like, well, you know, my time's pretty much mine, except that I'm advertising for. And then he reels off like 25 companies. And it's like, good for, good for Joe. Hey, these yeah. guys, like, look at the NBA, like shoe deals. These guys make as much money on shoe deals, if not more, than they do their contracts. So I'm, hey, you're, yeah. you're only a pro athlete for what? A small fraction of your life, right? My, go for it. Yeah, cash in. Nate S says, Verderham's like Will Ferrell and Talladega Knights. If you don't like, if you don't chew big red, then fuck you. I love that. That's that movie is so hilarious. Yeah, are you, are you a Will Ferrell fan? Say that. I'll, I'll say that to people that walk by on the street. That would be perfect for you. Just, you know, yell at people for not using that's totally your vibe. Yeah. Like Mahomes, he's kind of a funny guy, he's a role model for kids. That's not you. You're not we, we all know. No. Yeah. No. You're not a role model. You got two kids and you're doing the best you can not to screw them up. Right. I, I should go with the Charles Barkley. Uh, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm not a role model, kids, which that's fine. <laughs> and that worked, man. Made millions off that. He's still famous for it. So yeah. look at look at how it worked out yeah. for him, right? Honesty yeah. is truly the best policy, especially when it's making you a lot of money. Absolutely. All right. We're going to get to a lot of Chiefs topics here. We got to talk Mitchell Schwartz, uh, who retired. Um, and we're going to do so. We're going to have some fun with some over unders for the Chiefs season. We're going to go through like a million players and, and, and dive in on their stats. Before we get to, to Mitch, we got to touch on it. It's, it's the only thing to talk about right now in, in the Chiefs Kingdom. And it's the whole Orlando Brown thing. I know you've been doing some, uh, some Twitter spaces on it, talking about it. The reports coming out are that the sides are really far apart, that Brown wants to be paid, like he wants to reset the market. That's his, gotcha. his bargaining position. The Chiefs have uh, – they have the ability to franchise him for a couple of years. He's already on the tag, but there's talk of a holdout into week one. Can you just set the stage for for everybody? The deadline's yeah. tomorrow, correct, for yeah, him tomorrow, to sign? Tomorrow, I believe, at 3 Central. So, look, let me yeah, – To sign the franchise. Correct. Uh, well, no, not to sign the tag, to sign a long-term deal. He can, he, That's he right. can sign That's the right. tag, yes. whatever. Anytime. If he doesn't right. sign a long-term deal by tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central, uh, then he cannot sign a long-term deal, not only with the Chiefs, but anybody else, should they should – they, trade him by a weird thing. Uh, he'd have to wait till the following year. So I reported, I'm just trying to make sure I'm getting the days right here. I reported on Monday night, late Monday night, talking to sources around the situation that my understanding is Orlando Brown is asking for north of $25 million per year. The current high water mark for either the left or the right side, although it is on the left side, is Trent Williams, who is probably going to walk into the Hall of Fame. And he is asking, he is not asking, he is being paid $23 million a year. So Brown is trying to aggressively set the market. Now, what I say to that is, hey, more, more power to you. You can ask for whatever you want in life. Doesn't mean you're going to get it, but you can ask for it. Now, right. at what point do you decide, or more accurately, Michael Portner's agent, do you decide to say, okay, look, we're not going to get that. We're not going to get that in Kansas City on the tag. We're probably not going to get that anywhere in free agency, even if it comes to it down the line. We probably should lower our number. But to my understanding, that's where the Brown camp is. He wants 25 plus a year. The Chiefs are, as Mike Garofalo uh, said, and and I can confirm, the Chiefs are at the top of the right tackle market, which is around $21 million a year, okay? That is a significant gap. If you're talking, let's just say, a five-year contract, that's $20 million in overall value. And, of course, there's going to be a gap in guaranteed money as well based off that because one side's going to want the more guaranteed. The Chiefs are going to say, well, you're high on overall value, so you're high on everything else as well. Could it be bridged by Friday? Anything's possible. It's unlikely. I don't expect it, but here's the rub with this. The Chiefs can tag him this year and next year for approximately, it's actually a tick under this, two years and $36 million. That's $18 million a year. Now, you have to eat two big cap hits to do that, but they're already eating one big cap hit this year, and they're fine. They have a ton of space even with that. So that's not a problem. Next year, because of the Tyree Kill trade, they have a lot more space than they would have. They can absolutely afford to tag Orlando Brown again. They understand this. Brown's camp theoretically understands this. So that's the only thing that would make you wonder, does Brown's camp at some point go, look, we're, fe- we're looking at the barrel of two one-year contracts if we keep with this stance. The Chiefs are not motivated 
to go and meet him at 24 a year, 23 a year. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, look, if you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Twitter, I've long said I think the range for Brown is about five years between 100 and 110 and about 55 to 60 million guaranteed. My understanding is based off of what the Chiefs are looking at at the right tackle market, top of the right tackle market, that's about where the Chiefs have them. I don't see any reason why the Chiefs would move off that. They have the leverage to just say, Orlando, you can play two years on the tag. We don't care. So that's where they sit. And I got to be honest, I think the Chiefs are benefited by signing him long term, but not at that price. There's no reason to go to that price. You're, you're putting yourself over a barrel. Uh, and lastly, yeah, we'll, so the, the, no, I'll, I'll say lastly, real quick, this is not a thing where this is contentious. My understanding is there's a mutual respect. I can tell you for a fact, the Chiefs were very happy with how he played last year. They loved the player. They loved the person. This negotiation has not changed that. So I wouldn't look into this as all of a sudden there's a bunch of ill will. I don't. I, that is not the indication I've been given. I think it's more about the fact that the Chiefs are in one place, Browns camps in another, and right now there's no reason for Kansas City to move. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recording is locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, the Chiefs have the leverage. That's that's what the franchise tag does, is it puts the leverage in the in the hands of the team. Really, the player at this point, all Brown has is to threaten to not sign, right? Correct. To not sign the, not the franchise tag and to not play, yeah. right? Which means he doesn't get paid. Correct. So at this point, the only leverage Brown has is to do that. So it sort of wouldn't make sense for Brown to sign until the last possible second. Maybe try to get the Chiefs' last best offer. With the, these reports about he's willing to sit out into training camp. Well, once once tomorrow's deadline passes, right. all that all that would serve to do because he has no other option at that point other than to sign the tag. Correct. Would punish the Chiefs. Would it, that that's all it would do? Would punish the Chiefs. Punish the offense. So do you think that if he doesn't sign by the deadline, he'll follow through with that? Or is it just a negotiating tactic to put that threat out there now, you know, let, let the fans get nervous and get angry, let, let, let the front office feel the heat? Is that what this is? First of all, yes, it's a negotiating tactic. Second of all, do you think the Chiefs care if he sits out two weeks at camp? Do you think the Chiefs are really quaking in their boots if he's not there on August 15th? The Chiefs care that he's there for week one. That's it. And my, my, suspe- my suspicion would be, and I don't know this for a fact, but this would be a strong inclination. He will not sign the tag into camp because if he's not, if he has not signed the tag, even though the cap hold counts against the Chiefs, he does not become eligible to be fined if he misses training camp because he is not under contract. So he doesn't have to sign the tag. He could sit there for a month after July 15th and say, hey, that's fine, whatever. I'm not going to sign the tag. I'm going to sit here. But at that point, it's, there's, no, there's no leverage one way or the other. Like he's not... You know, unless he just said, well, I just want to be traded. And, and again, which at that point, the Chiefs would be like, that's nice. We're not trading you. Like, we don't care. I would suspect that he probably would sit out some camp. Why not? Players hate camp. Probably would sit some of it out, train on the side. But 
keep in mind what matters is week one and, and after that. His tag is for $16.6 million, which is essentially a million dollars a game. His entire career to this point, he was a third-round pick. Okay, He has made in his career about $4.5 million. He will make more in his career in five weeks of the regular season this year than he's ever made in his life to this point. It's not like he's a player who's made 50 or $60 million and can be willing to sit out a month or two to make a statement. It's life. This tag for Brown is life-changing money. I would right. be floored if he sat out any meaningful games, any real games. I could see him sitting out mo- a majority of camp. I would be shocked if he sits out actual regular season games. Yeah, why not take the, the camp vacation? Yeah. You know, absolutely punish the team a little bit and then cash in and, and you're, you're you're ready for week one. I think that's probably what happens, too. Although there's the hope, of course, that they're just they want to sign. They want to get something done long term, because, of course, this is the downside for Brown. Yes, he gets life changing money if he plays on the tag. But if he blows out his knee, right, it's, it's, if he has a career ending injury, that's the end of that 16. And, and what did you say you thought a fair offer for him was? I think it's about five. Well, I'll go down the middle of what I said. Five, 105 and 55 to $60 million guaranteed. So if you're Brown, do you want $16 million guaranteed for this year or 55 or $60 million guaranteed well, for, for and, the rest of your career? Here's for the one next other five thing years. to consider that I think, I think does matter. Now, how much it matters, I don't know. But I think it does matter. Orlando Brown came from where? Baltimore. Baltimore. Ronnie Stanley was the left tackle in Baltimore. He signed, yeah. at the time, the biggest deal in NFL history for a tackle. About $100 million. I think it was $98 million, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to look at the exact number. Days later, he suffered a devastating career-threatening injury that he has not bounced back from a year and a half later. He, he missed the entire rest of the 2020 season. He came back last year, played in the in the opener of 2021, missed the entire rest of the year. You think he's happy he signed that contract? Yeah. I mean, and, and God bless him. He deserves it. He's a great player. He got hurt on the field, and he's not been able to bounce back. Orlando Brown was on the field when that happened. Yeah. I'm sure has some kind of relationship with Ronnie Stanley. I know if I'm Orlando Brown, I'm at least thinking about that. That wasn't, I mean, yeah. that wasn't something where, you know, Ronnie Stanley got hurt recklessly in the offseason. You know what? He was on the field against Pittsburgh. It was a regular football play. His leg got caught up. He, he, he has suffered a catastrophic injury. It's unclear if he'll ever be able to return and be the player he once was, which at the time was a top two, three tackle in football. So I do think that stuff matters. And whether or not that means Brown decides to come to the middle here, I don't know. But the Chiefs hold the cards. And by the way, they will hold the cards next offseason too. So that that's where you sit one day away from the tag deadline. And we've seen quarterbacks, or Kirk Cousins most notably, bet on themselves. It's a little bit different when you're a lineman. Quarterback's the most protected position other than kicker on the field, right? And so you can maybe afford to roll the dice a little bit if you're a quarterback, especially if you're halfway decent. Um, but for a guy like Brown, you're in the trenches. You got running backs coming, running full blast behind you. Other guys, guys are falling down. I mean, it's a dangerous position to be in on an NFL field. Uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, this is negotiation. And, you know, at the, at the last minute, maybe the Chiefs come up a million or something. Brown's camp is satisfied and lock it in. That would be best for everyone, especially Brown. I, I know I would want the long-term deal, but but that's, you know, I'm well, not uh, a, a pro football player, yeah, nor am I sure. rich. So. It also should be yeah. said quickly, like one thing to also think about from Kansas City's perspective, the Chiefs did something this offseason that look, we, we initially both were like, what are they doing? Which was trading Tyreek Hill, okay? And they got yep. five picks. And I think initially we both were like, oh, they should have got more. And then kind of as time went on, you're like, okay, well, they actually ended up with a pretty good haul because they got two top 50 picks and so on and so forth. The reason I bring that up is the Chiefs did something a lot of teams would never do. Most teams would have just paid Tyreek Hill. They would have swallowed hard and they would have given him the money because he's a Hall of Fame level talent. He's 28 years old and he is integral to what they do offensively. The Chiefs under Brett Veach had the gumption to just say, no, we have a price and we're sticking with it and we're not going over that. And if you're not willing to stay in the building at that price, we're moving on. And they did it. Most teams, even well-run ones, would have given Hill that money. Now, you could argue whether they should or they shouldn't have, but the Chiefs had the courage of their convictions. And I think this also goes back to the end of the 2018 season. That defense was a wreck walking off the field in the AFC Championship game against New England. But the one thing they were good at, they led the league in sacks that year. Brett Veach understood that defense was terrible, and the best way to go about fixing it was a complete blow-up. They traded... D Ford, which was unpopular in the moment, 
for a second round pick. Okay, they acquired Frank Clark, which obviously worked out in some ways, didn't work out in, in many others with the contract. They they let Justin Houston go. Eric Berry was gone. Steven Nelson was gone. So on down the line. They could have very easily said we were an offside away from being in the Super Bowl. We led the league in sacks. That part of it we're not going to change. They believed in their plan and their vision, and they stuck with it, and the next year they won the Super Bowl. So one thing about them and this Veach front office, when they feel something strongly, they stick to it, which is why I do not think all of a sudden they're going to panic and try to raise up their their offer to meet Brown. I'm not saying they wouldn't move a little to meet him. I do not think you're going to wake up on Friday and all of a sudden he's getting paid $25 million a year. That I, I would be very surprised it goes against everything they've done since Veach has been the GM. Absolutely. And this is what happens when you have Patrick Mahomes. When you have a player like Patrick Mahomes, it's all about him. He's the most important piece. Everybody else, God bless him. Tyreek Hill, brilliant player. Travis Kelsey getting a little long in two, still amazing Hall of Famer. It's about Mahomes. Oh. They have to have flexibility to, to be able to change and adapt the team to the needs to put things around and people around Mahomes. And I think that Veach gets that. I think it's really smart of him to understand I need to be able to maintain flexibility. There's one sacred cow on this team, one sacred cow, and his name is Patrick Mahomes the second. All right, let's talk about Mitchell Schwartz. Before we do, though, just wanted to say, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, consider becoming a member. We had a happy hour slash trivia with our members uh, this week. Earlier in the week, it was a lot of fun. We did Chiefs trivia, Arrowhead Attic podcast trivia, had a great time, gave away. Um, I've got to mail a, a, an Arrowhead Attic podcast hoodie to Australia. Got to figure out how the hell I'm going to do that. Um, by the pay. way, Brian, I need your address. Yeah, going to pay is what's going to happen. Gave away a couple of golf ads. It was a lot of fun. Would love to meet more of you out there. So if you're interested, Link is in the description of wherever you get this podcast. Consider becoming a member and supporting our show. All right, let's talk about Mitchell Schwartz really quickly. He officially retired today. Friend of the show. Mitch has been on the show. We've had his brother Jeff on the show as well. Look, I, you know, he he had the back problems. He was holding out hope, I think, that he could get back. You had to see how you heal. Um, but nobody wants to live with pain. That's the most important thing is that Mitch is happy and, and is as yep. pain-free as possible to enjoy with his family. He's made the decision to officially hang up his cleats. This is a guy, he was an Ironman. He played 7,984 straight snap. Great, all-time great chief. I've got to ask you, Verderam, here's his resume. 29 Super, uh, 2019 Super Bowl champion, first team All-Pro 2018, three-time second team All-Pro in 2016, 2017, and 2019. The, Iron, the Ironman streak he had, and, uh, and uh, he was on the all-rookie team by the Pro Football Writers in 2012. Is that enough to get Mitchell Schwartz into the Hall of Fame? No, but he was a great player. And I'll get into the Chiefs Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, I would put it this way with Schwartz. He was a Hall of Fame talent. He was a, At the peak of his career, he was the best right tackle in football. He was a great player. The problem is, bizarrely, four, Pro Bowl, or four, four All-Pros never made a Pro Bowl, which is insane, but somehow never made a Pro Bowl. He... Didn't play exceedingly long, although he he did he did shoot up for nine years, so it's not like he didn't play at all. But he only played nine seasons. If you're asking me whether or not his talent was worthy of Canton, yes. But it's very hard to get in the Hall of Fame as a lineman. It's very hard. And part of that's because, unlike other positions, they don't have statistics. So you're relying yeah. a lot on all pros and Pro Bowls and Super Bowls. Now, he does have a Super Bowl, and he was a huge part of that. He made it to four all pros. I wouldn't be surprised at some point if he's a semifinalist, if he's brought up in the conversation. I don't think he's going to get in. I think he will be in the Chiefs Ring of Honor. I think he will be in their Hall of Fame, but I do not think he will get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How much do you think he was hurt by playing in Cleveland? You know, those teams were terrible when he was in Cleveland. He didn't pick up a lot of name recognition there. And and, and also, I, I can't remember how if he overlapped with – did he overlap at all with Alex Mack and yes. Joe Thomas? Yeah, they were all in the same yeah. line for years. Yeah, so that was that. That probably didn't do him any favors either, right? Like you, you got those guys hurt him. Did that hurt? Is that why any any of the Pro Bowls, which we know is it's hard to say. I mean, the Pro Bowls weird. Like Frank Clark's been a Pro Bowler every year he's been in Kansas City. Yeah, every year he's been in Kansas right. City. Frank Clark's been a Pro Bowler. Does anyone think Frank Clark's been a Pro Bowler to the last three years? But he has been. Yeah. I think again, it's it's that group, the offensive line. 
it's hard because it is so objective. It's so subjective. It's, you look at it and there's no, there's no stats. I mean, yes, there are certain like, well, you know, you gave up six sacks or whatever, or you gave up 12 pressures, but it's easy. Like you look at a receiver, how many catches did you have? How many yards do you have? How many touchdowns do you have? Stuff like that. It's different with linemen. A lot of it too is based on reputation. It's not a coincidence that those years you reeled off with all pro, he was in Kansas City for all of them. They were a good team. Why do you think Creed Humphrey gets the recognition he gets? Because he's on the Chiefs. He's snapping the ball to Mahomes every week. And that doesn't mean he doesn't, wouldn't have deserved it if he was in Houston. But do you think people would talk about Creed Humphrey the same way if he played for the Texans? No, they wouldn't. Because no one's watching the Texans. Everyone's watching the Chiefs. They're in a million spots, either where they're in prime time or a late afternoon standalone window, which these days might as well be prime time. That's the way it works. It's not fair. It's maybe not right. It's no coincidence that Mitchell Schwartz was like this good player in Cleveland who nationally nobody had ever really talked about. And then he went to the playoffs, and all of a sudden he's, he's protecting Mahomes, and now he's this, this name that everybody knows who he is. It's also the same thing, too, by the way. If you look at Eric Fisher, when did Eric Fisher start making Pro Bowls? When Patrick Mahomes showed up. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's when. So, you know, and, and by the way, I, I've seen people, to mention Fisher, I've seen people talk about that they should go out and sign Eric Fisher because – Orlando Brown might sit out. I would caution against that. I, I have a lot of respect for Eric Fisher. He he struggled significantly in Indianapolis. He was not healthy off that Achilles. And I, I, I would be, I think it would be a nice story. I don't know if it would be a great end. Would you take him for the veteran minimum for a backup right tackle? For the vet minimum? Yeah, I'd kick tires on vet minimum if he took that. Yeah. But I would not expect much. I got to tell you, if, if Brown actually sits out, which I do not think he's going to do for real game. If he does, I think Tooney's kicking outside. He proved yeah. he could do it in that game against Cincinnati. He was he was really good. Of course, that he's opens good. up the question, and then who plays left guard and all the. But I mean, I think that's what they would do. But I don't think it's going to come to that boring injury. All right, let's let's get to the uh, the over under stuff. Have let's have a little fun. I got a ton of players on here. Wanted to get your opinion, Verder. I mean, we want to hear from you out in the YouTube chat. Those of you that are watching live, and we uh, appreciate all your support. We're going to do some fun over unders. Let's start hitting some of these. Uh, all right. First, of course, we got to start with the king, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I set these myself. I didn't use Vegas lines or anything like that. So passing yards, Verderam, for Patrick Mahomes, 4,700. You got the over, you got the under. Over. That's a good – that's probably right what the line should be. So I, I tend to uh... – I, I tend to say I'd almost push it, but if I so, but if I had to go one way, I I would go over. I I wish they were a little more balanced sometimes, but they're not going to be. They're going to throw the ball, and I still think with 17 games, I mean, like 4,700 yards, that's less than 300 a game. Yeah, I, I think they're going to throw, and I think early in the year they're going to be throwing the ball locks. I think the defense is going to be a little overwhelmed. So I'd go over, but I think the number's about right. I think he's going to be right in that 46 to 4,800 range. So I, I think your line is well put. All right. All right. We got a few from the chat. Uh, Don F says under. Winks says over. Gary's under. Stacy, our guy, says under. He expects a wee bit more balance this year. Phantom says under. Lucas over. Keith under. All right. Moving along. Uh, I got his touchdowns, Verderam. I got him set at 35. What do you think? Just passing touchdowns? Passing Not, touchdowns. I'm right. Okay. I'm trying to think what I said the other day because I know I like basically gave out what I thought his line would be. And I think, I think, I think I said 36. 36 or 37, I think. Yeah, we talked about I, it. I would slightly then go over. I'm trying to be consistent. I'm, I would slightly go over. Again, I think the line's right where it should be. The one thing that's going to be interesting with that is if they get down near the goal line with this offensive line, they're just going to run the ball in sometimes. I mean, that, you know, they can right. do that now. They have Ronald Jones as a bigger back. They have McKinnon. I mean, I, you wonder if they'll do that. But again, like I, I will argue with anybody anywhere, anytime. This offense is going to score a lot of points. I know they don't have Tyree Kill. I get that. They got a lot of guys. Like I still think they're going to score a ton. I still think Mahomes is going to throw a ton. And by the way, they for the first time in years offensively, they have something to prove. Uh, I think they will be just fine. And so I will go over. But again, to your credit, I think the line's about right where it should be. All right. Mason, Mason says over 35 easily. John F over. Steven says over, Chad over, Phantom over, Gary over, Jerome says over in TDs. Our guy Stacy says over. They should be better in the red zone with Fortson back and Juju. We'll get to Fortson in just a minute. Yep. And then lastly, Verderham, just really quickly, and we'll move on. Rushing yards for Mahomes, 300. Over, over. I, w- I would take over on that. Uh, didn't last year have over 400? Wasn't it? Wasn't it like- Don't have the stats in so, front of me. I, I think- but it was his best year rushing it last was. year. And I think, I think last year, um, try to pull it up real quick for the listeners. Uh, I think he was. Was over that, but yeah, I, I like him as the over. 
Look, he's you know he's he's not a guy who scrambles a ton, but when he does, he can do it and he can do it effectively. So last year, last year he ran for 381, and the year prior 308. So I will I will take the over. I, I think he's right range again. You know, 350 something like that. He yeah, he's never going to be a Lamar Jackson, but you know, is he is he going to run for 25 yards a game? Yeah, probably. Love it. Okay. All right. Ceh rushing yards 800. Under. Under for CEH. Wow. Okay. Be- because, because again, they've got Ronald Jones and now they've got McKinnon. And Andy Reid treats the run like it's nuclear waste. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to give him enough touches. Like, to, to get to 800 yards, he's probably going to need 175 or so carries. You know, that would mean about 12 a game or so. Could he get there? Yeah. The problem is, A, he hasn't always been able to stay healthy. B, I think Jones is going to get – about the same amount of carries as CH, and I think McKinnon will get a handful. I don't think he'll get as much as Eric too. I think they're going to try to save him and use him in spots. Uh, Gore will get a handful as well. So I would go on. Uh, to your point, he he averages for his career both both seasons four point four yards a carry. If that holds, one hundred and eighty one carries to get it done. Uh, what about rushing touchdowns for him? I've got this set at four point five. I might go over on that, you know, because this is a team. I'd have to look how many they had last year as a team, but I could see them, including Mahomes, you know, running for a few. I could see them having like fifteen, and I, I, I could see Ceh having you know, seven of those. So, okay. uh, yeah, I, I would, I would take the over on that. As a Ceh fantasy manager, I would appreciate more touchdowns from that guy. Um, and all right, let's go to Travis Kelsey. I've got his receiving yards set at one thousand one hundred and fifty. You know what? I'm going to go under for one reason. I still think he's the exact same player. And I think there will be times when they need him where he will go nuts. I think they're going to spread the ball around more. In the past year and a half, two years, it has always been balls going to Kelsey and it's going to Hill. And every once in a while, you break glass in case of emergency and you throw it to Robinson, you throw it to Hardman, you dump it off to a back. I think you're going to see, you know, like in, in previous years, it's a lot of like 1,200 yards for Hill, 1,200 yards for Kelsey. And then it's, you know, 550 for Hardman and it's 300 for, for Robinson. And then, you know, Watkins factors in somewhere in there. Although, of course, last year wasn't there. I think this year it's going to be a lot more like Kelsey maybe goes for like 1050 or 1100, save a little wear and tear on him. But then also it's going to be like Juju for 1000 and MVS for 650 and Hardman for 700 and Sky Moore for 500. Like, I think, I think it will be more like that with this team than it will be two guys. And of course, now in this case, one guy's dominating with, you know, four. 1400 yards and everybody else is 400. I don't, I think it'll be more spread yeah. around this season. Very interesting. I've got the over for that one myself. I think he's going to be relied on a lot more uh, without Tyree Kill. Stacy Smith agrees with me. John F says the over on Kelsey Phantom says over. Uh, Klitsch says over. Gary says under. Interesting. Okay. Let's do touchdowns for, for big Kels. Receiving touchdowns. None of this, uh, none of this handoff stuff. Uh, receiving touchdowns. I set this one at eight and a half. There Derek, I go tough over one. because he is, he's great in the red zone. I yeah, it's such a chemistry with Mahomes. Like I think I think he's gonna be right at about ten. He's just he's so hard to guard down there. He's big. He runs great routes. He's got incredible hands. Like I now I will say this. I think there's a chance it's under because unlike like even with Hill last year, they they had one red zone target. It was him. Like he was the guy. He's the biggest guy. Now they have MVS, who is a very big receiver. Juju's a very big receiver. Yeah. You know, I think, and I think they'll run the ball down there a little bit more. So I do think there's an opportunity made for that number to go down. But I still, Kelsey's just so good in that. Like I think Kelsey's going to kill teams in like those like 15 yard touchdowns where there's just enough space where he can. I mean, remember a couple of years ago in the playoffs and they played Cleveland and Denzel yeah. Ward is still trying to to find where Kelsey went. Well, I mean, he just yep, left, he's still I mean, out there. Denzel Ward looked like a victim. I mean, he was just face down, and Kelsey just tore like that. Those are the kinds of plays where I think seven of his ten touchdowns will come, where he just gets a one-on-one because teams are worried about one of the bigger receivers on the outside beating him, you know, with a small corner. And I think he beats some guy up the seam. I've got the under on this one, and I'll tell you why. I think to your point, they're going to have a lot of big targets down there, and I think with Tyreek Hill gone. When they get down in the red zone, it's going to be, you know, double team Kelsey. Can't let Kelsey beat us. And I think Andy's, I think Andy's going to have a bunch of plays drawn up that look like they're going to Kelsey. And you're going to see Jody Fortson. You're going to see MVS. You're going to see running the, the football at least early in the season. And then I think teams may adjust and then Kelsey will get his. But I'm thinking he's, he's going to come just under. Um, all right. Let's move on. This uh, I want to switch gears a little bit from offense. This is a, a 
a kind of a rapid fire one for you, Vertoram. Roster spots. All right. Okay. Over under on roster spots. So each of these guys, basically, it's will they or won't they make the roster? They're all set at 0.5 roster spots. So 0.5 roster spots for Ronald Jones. Over. Over for Ronald Jones. Okay. Half a roster spot for Josh Gordon. Well, let's see. I usually keep six receivers. Hardman, MVS, uh, Moore. I think Justin Ross is going to make this team. Um, Uh Juju, under. I think they'll put a special teams guy there instead of Gordon. Oh, okay. Under for Gordon. Derek Gore. Well, if I want Ronald Jones, I got to go under. I think think he will be on the team at some point. I think he'll be a practice squad guy. But I think starting the year – under, which by the way, I don't, I don't think she should be an under, but I think it will be. Let's call practice squad a push. That's, okay. that's a push. That's fine. Then I would push because that's. Yeah. I think he'll be on yeah. practice squad. Yeah, he gets the half a roster squad. Um, all right, Cornell Powell. Under. Under for Cornell just, Powell. It's just yeah, a lot of. It's a log jam there. I think it's under. Yeah. Uh, Jody Fortson. Over. He'll make the team. He'll be the tight end too. Okay, then I got to follow up with that. Blake Bell. Under. I think Noah Grace at third tight end. And that's the end of the line for Blake Bell, according to Vertigram. And this last one, DiCaprio Boodle. Under. You don't think he's going to make it? He's been hanging around. They need depth at corner. Is this the year he, this guy makes it the leap? Well, look, you don't so think you're, so? you're talking corners. I mean, again, how many corners do they usually keep? They usually keep six, could be five. If they go five and five to safeties, because sometimes they can look at it and say, well, the versatility. And look, they're going to have McDuffie. They're going to have Sneed. They're going to have Fenton. They're going to have Joshua Williams. And could Boodle make it? Maybe. I feel like I'm forgetting another corner they drafted. Didn't they draft another corner late? I feel like, I feel like I'm forgetting uh, another corner. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would go under. I think it's, I think it's tough. I think it's I, they, yeah. for all the talk about like how like this team is in such flux. Like in some ways, it is. Like this is actually a fun exercise because when you really think about this team's roster, it, it's really deep. It's really yep. deep. like it is. It is not even on defense where you're like, oh, they you know, they have all these question marks. I mean, I don't know if we're, you know. I know this is the last one. Think about the linebackers. Like think about all the guys that are, that are gonna. It's gonna be hard. Like they signed Jermaine Carter away from Carolina. Jermaine Carter last year like ninety tackles. I think they're just gonna get on the field. So I mean, they they just right. they have a lot of guys. They do. I think it's a, it's yeah. a roster crunch. Zach Best wants to know what we'll do without the uh, without the Blake Bell option play. Uh, drink less. No, <laughs> drink less. Win, win more. That, drink less, win play. more. Score more. Yeah. All the things that they've ever done with Andy Reid, that's the one that I just I can't take it. That is the dumbest <laughs> Zach knows thing. how to trigger you. Oh God, that was so dumb. Yeah. they're so lucky they won that game and that gets lost to time. That would be that would be right up there with Lynn Elliott if that if they had lost that game. People would remember that play <laughs> yeah. in that same vein. John F has Boodle as the under. Um, Stacy, I think the under. For, for Boodle. So yeah. some interesting ones there. All right, let's move on. Back to offense. Uh, one more receiver I wanted to get to. Sky Moore, receiving yards. I set this at 500 for the rookie. Under. Uh, it's very hard to be really productive. And he's, look, he's a late second round pick. Or mid, mid-second round pick. Maybe 50. Mid-second round pick. Um, actually, 54th maybe traded back. Like, that's not a knock, by the way, on Sky Moore. But it's just hard. I mean, where is it? You got to think about, let's include Kelsey for the point of discussion here, let's include him as a receiver. You have him, you have Juju, you have MVS, you have Hardman. I mean, Moore's going to be the fifth option on this team. I mean, if, if I can, I'll tell you, let me lay this out right now. If if the fifth option on this team has over 500 receiving yards, they're winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it just yeah. that's impossible. Even in the years where they were setting records offensively with Mahomes, like they, you know, was obviously not far removed from. They were never the, the fifth. That's like if Demarcus Robinson was putting up like five, six hundred yards a year, and even that he was never the the, the he was usually like the fourth option. Okay, I I could see, and I said earlier, I could see more, maybe you know four hundred something like that. But it's just that's hard, man. If he if he goes out and does that, and he's up five hundred and six touchdowns or something, I mean they they're rolling in an epic fashion at that point. Yeah, keep in mind Tyreek Hill. His his rookie season, sixty one receptions for five hundred and ninety three yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. So you and know, all Hill. due respect to yeah, that's Tyreek Hill. So in Andy Reid's offense, with all of the and 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 you could argue that Chiefs are much deeper at receiver than they were when Tyreek Hill was a rookie. Ah, uh, yeah. So God, who was bit. who were the receivers after Kelsey on the team? Jeremy though? Macklin. 2016. Jeremy Macklin Macklin. was the big Jesus. receiver, but after that, my God, yeah. it was a crap fest. I mean, Chris Connolly. Who? Yeah. Well, listen, I like Chris Connolly, but like you're not, you know, yeah. you're not like, oh my God, how are we going to target Albert Wilson? Right. The one thing to keep in mind yeah. is the Chiefs too. So they lost, they lost Robinson. I'm going to pull this up real quick because this, this is important. They they lost Robinson to free agency. They lost Pringle to free agency, or they, I guess, more accurately, maybe you could say they allowed them to leave in free agency. Obviously, they traded away Hill. So when you really break this down. Like, how many targets 
and how many let's just even stop there how many targets are available based off of the players of note who are no longer there well if you base it off what we saw last year okay uh you're, you're talking now hill of course is a huge name hill had 159 targets pringle had 60 robinson had 41 uh and it should be you noted, know, darrell williams had 57 okay but I think some of those targets will be eaten up by Alaire and Jones and McKinnon. So I think that's fairly obvious that we'll, we'll exclude him for a minute. So including Pringle and Robinson's 101 plus Hills, it's 260 targets. That sounds like an unbelievable amount. Where are they going to go? Well, I mean, I would surmise Juju's probably looking at 100 targets if he's healthy. I would say that NVS is probably looking at 60, 70 targets if he's healthy. Hardman had 83 targets last year. I could see him getting a bump of maybe 20 more targets, 25 more targets. And then you go past that. I mean, if Sky Moore gets 60 targets, you know, Kelsey gets a few more because he'll like, there's your targets. You know, Fortson, maybe he gets a few more. Now, keep in mind, it should be mentioned, Fortson, he played in six games last year. He had five targets. Caught them all, had two touchdowns. He had five targets in six games. Noah Gray had 10 targets the entire season. It'll, but, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how this all shakes. But I think, I think look, you know what? They, they have these targets in a lot of cases accounted for. They really, at least I think they do. I guess the one caveat is that first season for Tyreek Hill, Alex Smith was the quarterback. Yes. All due respect to Alex, the offense was structured a little bit differently, and then they figured out what they had in Hill, and they figured out, hey, Alex can get this guy the ball, and then you saw what happened the following season. Right. So, you know, DK Metcalf, his, his rookie season, he had 58 receptions on 100 targets for 900 yards. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard gonna be hard for Sky Moore to get that many targets, but we'll see. You know, injuries happen. You never know. Maybe he blows, he starts doing really well, and, it, and it's, it's a momentum thing from there. We'll find out. But the good news is the Chiefs have lots of options. All right, let's turn our attention to the defense a little bit. We can't leave those guys out. Nick, uh, actually, let's start with Willie Gay. So I got Willie Gay up here. I got him set at 60 tackles. What do you think? How many tackles did you have last year, you know? It was under 60. <laughs> okay, well. It was under 60. It was yeah, maybe like 48 or something around there. Well, not a ton. Willie he didn't see the field as much. He's going to play a lot more this year. Obviously, Hitchens is gone. Neiman is gone. And last year, uh, for the if, if for those inquiring minds out there, he had forty eight tackles. Okay. Oh, that was right. Okay. Uh, I would go well over that. Well, he's first of all he only played twelve games last season. Okay, he missed the beginning of the year with a toe injury. Second of all, this is a guy who, when he was on the field, was a machine. I think he will go over. I don't. I'm not saying I think he's going to have a hundred tackles, but could I see eighty to ninety? Yeah. I could. I mean, he, I, I think, well, as long as he's healthy, I think he clears that bar with ease. I hope so. Uh, all right, then let's go. How many interceptions does he get? Now, I've gone on the record as saying I think he's going to break out and have four picks. Uh, so I'm taking the over here. I'm setting it, though, at a reasonable two and a half for Willie Gay. Over or under? He's a linebacker. I'll say under. I mean, that, you know, look, that's okay. he had two last year. So it's yeah. a reasonable number he could get to three or four but i i will say under. i think that's hard. i also think part of the reason is i don't think he's going to be giving many guys a lot of space to get open he's yeah he reminds me well, i don't want to go that far he's he's very fast he is exceedingly athletic for a linebacker so like, i think he's going to be great in cover they, they will be fun to watch at that at that level with him and bolton yeah. and chanel that 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 group is going to be a very fun watch between the three of them yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we got uh, Stacy says over. He could see three. John F says Willie Gay gets one to two picks max. Nate says over. Uh, he dropped two or three last year. Says Nate S. He did. Good point. Sure. He's that's that's why I'm so confident in the four. I'm going to be banging that drum all season long. All right, uh, let's move on to our guy Nick Bolton, who uh, I got to say, as, as Zach Best, Airhead Addict founder, a uh, co-founder, his father, the old chief, used to write on the site even predates me i edited one article from the old uh, under the he wrote under the old chief uh my like my first week at arrowhead attic he loves nick bolton absolutely loves him fatal attraction style love i just had to do a shout out to the old chief i don't know if he listens to the podcast 112 tackles over under okay so i know why you picked this number because last year he had 112 tackles this is where yep. this is where i go bold i think he will have 150 tackles this year wow yeah I think he Let's will do be, it. Let's go. I think he will be fighting for the lead league in tackles. That guy, by the end of the year last season, was an abject machine in a way that I did not anticipate him being. Like I'll be the first to come out and say, hey, look, when they drafted him, I remember watching tape and being like, God, this guy can't run. 
He is not fast. He is not Willie Gay in terms of speed. But my God, is that kid instinctual and can he get to the football? Like, you go and look at him last year. I mean, his snap count for a lot of the year was not even that high. Like, there were games where he, you know, first of all, he missed one game with COVID. Okay. Then he was at 39%, 44, 29, 28, 35, 43. I mean, there were times with him where when he was on the field a lot, like 99% against the Chargers in that Thursday night game they won, he had 14 tackles. Yep. Okay. Against the Giants, he played 72% of the snaps and 11 tackles. 84% of the snaps against Tennessee, where I think he kind of broke out. He had 15 tackles. Against the Baltimore Ravens, 83% of the snaps. He had nine tackles. Like when he played a lot of snaps, he was all over the field. He had a lot. I, he's going to play a ton of the snaps this season. He's going to replace Anthony Hitchens. He's going to be on the field most snaps. I, I over, well over. I, I, I think he could be a pro bowler. And I think you will have some people being like, "Is he an all pro? Is he good enough to be that?" Like, I really, I think he's that good of a player. I think you're right. Remember, no hitch, no Ben Neiman uh, eating up snaps. This guy's, this guy's it. Uh, I'm with you on the over. Um, I've got him at two and a half forced fumbles. That's an interesting one. Uh, so last year, he forced zero. He recovered one before zero, and he ran it back for a touchdown, if you remember, against Denver, which was hilarious. I, You know, I'll go under on that. I mean, that's you know, I, I could see him forcing a couple, and he could force more, but I, I'll say under there. I'm interested with him. Look, I don't think he's ever going to be a sack guy. He didn't have any sacks last year. I don't think that's what he is. He, But with, with his instincts, and only in this regard, because – Derek Johnson yeah. was a different player. He reminds me of Derek Johnson in that regard. Where there would be times with DJ where it would be like a third and two, and they'd try to run like some like trap off the side, and Derek Johnson would basically meet the guy at the handoff point, and it was like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, how? like he almost took the ball out of the quarterback's hand. Like, Bolton, there were times right. last season when he would do that, where he would just shoot it. I remember, in fact, two plays specifically against Buffalo in the playoffs where he just blew up plays on third down, like four yards behind the line of scrimmage. So I'll go under on that, but I really do. And by the way, uh, Bolton, for the record, ESPN's been doing these things like the top 10 players each position. They've been polling 50 executives for it. Bolton was named as an honorable mention as a top 10 linebacker in football, as a rookie. So he's, he's being noticed. Yeah, I'm with you. He's getting the green dot. He's got great instincts. He's got it going on upstairs. I think if he causes a lot of fumbles, it's going to be – getting to the ball at the handoff point. Um, All right, let's go on to sack city here. Um, Let's talk about Frank Clark. I set his sacks at four and a half. Over, over. I think I'll get over that. Over for Frank. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, listen, I, I criticize Frank Clark a lot. A lot of people around the chiefs do not like with the chiefs, but like people that cover the chiefs, watch chiefs do. Sure. However, though, you gotta, you've got to be careful of going like too overboard with that. And then just like almost being spiteful, he's going to have more than four and a half sacks. I'd put it at like seven. You know, I don't think he's going to be unbelievable. I don't think he's going to have 12, but I think he's going to have like seven, eight sacks. So I would go over four and a half. Okay. John F. says Frank Clark over, but not by much. Angry Drunken German says Clark's back is a problem. We'll find out. But look, the Chiefs the Chiefs have another guy who, who likes to get uh, some sack lunch, and that's Chris Jones. Uh, this was a tough one to set, but I went ahead and put it at nine and a half for Jones. I'm going to go just over. I was, I was literally, when you were saying it, I was thinking 10. So yep. I'll take yep. the over. He, he, I feel like, of any player in the Chiefs gets more and do crap from fans than anybody. Like, the guy's double teamed every play. He's he's never had interior rusher worth talking about next to him. He's had some players who are good. Like, not he's a good player, but he's a run stuffer. You know, they brought in Jerron Reed last year. He was a huge disappointment. Jones has never, ever been paired with an interior rusher who is worth his salt. And I, I think despite all that, how good he's been, I know that people say, well, there are times he shows up in the box score and then he doesn't. Look, Chris Jones, go if you watch just a film of that guy game in and game out, Yep. Sure, he's human. He has a bad game here. That guy is a force over and over. And I, I, yeah. I get it. Like, I remember when they lost the Ace title game, there was all that criticism, like he couldn't bring down Burrow. And I get that, and I hear that. It's le- fine. That's legitimate. How many other guys were even getting near Joe Burrow in that game? I mean, he was the only one. Yeah. They couldn't even touch him. Yeah. How many times? I mean. And this wasn't a good line. This is part right? of the problem, how right? Many times we, the rest of the line. How many times did Frank Clark almost sack Joe Burrow in that game? Right. I mean, how many times where was Alex Okafor? Jones is the only one getting any pressure in that in that game. So I hear that, but I think he's I think Jones Jones is criminally underrated. These people who are like they should trade him, they should move on. If, <laughs> if they 
If they moved on from Chris Jones, quarterbacks, the Chiefs should just give opposing quarterbacks a lawn chair, okay? Because that's what they'd be able to use while they sat there for 12 seconds making a decision where to go with the football. I, I'm I'm over on this. I think he gets 10, you know, 11 sacks, something like that. I think Patrick is frozen. Richard, I don't know if you could tell me. He did. Okay, look, while we're waiting for Patrick to unfreeze, I won't do any more of the overrun this. I'm sure I'll be back in a minute. But it is worth talking about with their defense. Jones is such an integral part of what they do. But this year, and I'm sure this is probably going to be the next overrun to some extent, But so I won't touch on numbers. But Karloftis is going to be really interesting this year in terms of how much does he impact the other guys on the line? Right. We just I just talked about Jones gets doubled all the time. That's what happens when you are by far the best player up front. Everybody here knows that. Karloftis, to start, is going to get singled up constantly. We welcome back Patrick, who apparently is going by Richard right now. We understand that you froze. I was talking about Karloftis. I'll finish my point real quick. I'm sure that's why we're yeah. going next year with the over-unders. Yep. He's going to get singled constantly to start the season because – Teams are going to say, look, we're going to double Jones. Rookie's got to prove he can beat us. If Karloftis can start doing that consistently, and I will tell you this, internally they are in love with George Karloftis based off of early returns. If Karloftis can do that consistently, that changes everything in, in a lot of ways for Jones. Well, all of a sudden he's not just going to get doubled every play. Sometimes they're going to go, man, you know what, geez, Karloftis is killing our left tackle. we got to slide over that way. And then if you're Spagnuolo, you can dial up certain looks where it basically forces them to declare and block Jones one-on-one with a guard or a center. And that's going to end with him killing a quarterback. Nine times out of ten, he is torching whoever's in front of him one-on-one. So I think Karloftis is a big part of Jones's season this year. That's exactly what I was going to say before I uh, dropped my internet. So I set the over-under for Karloftis at five sacks. What do you think, Verderam? I think that's about right. I'll say he I'll say he gets six. So just over. I think five's right. I could almost go push. But I, if you look at the history of first-round edge rushers who aren't like top five picks, that's about usually where they're at, about five, you know, something like that. I'll go a little over just because I think teams will have to throw the ball a lot against Kansas City, so he'll have a lot of opportunity. And I also think he's not – like a lot of the guys, too, they come in, they're rotational. I don't think he's going to be very rotational. They're going to need him out there. So I will go over, although that could change if they add Robert Quinn. But for now, I'll go over. Yeah, I'm with you on the over. I think, look, if if Frank Clark is returns to a little bit of form and it's is even slightly above average, slightly above replacement defensive end, right. and Jones is in top form, form, and then you add Carl Loftus, that changes the calculus of this Chiefs defensive line, and it's going to make things a little bit easier on everybody. So I'm really excited to see how all this plays out. I know he's a rookie. They might start slow, but by midseason, hopefully the sacks start piling up. All right. Let's get to the secondary. Legereus Sneed, two and a half interceptions. That's a good one. You know what? I'll take the over on that. I think three to four. He's not a great corner, but I do think he's a very good corner. And he actually does have pretty good hands. Like He's shown the ability to catch the ball. So I'll go over on that. He was another guy, by the way, in those ESPN top 50 executives are polled and all this stuff. And who's the top 10? He was honorable mention as top 10 corner in the league. Yeah. I think as a rookie, the the expectations for him were just sky high after that. And then last year, he played well, and people kind of lost their minds a little bit. He's a very good corner. Is he a top-down number one? No, I don't think so. Is he a is he a solid number one corner and, and would be a great number two? I think he is, which is why I think they drafted McDuffie. So we'll see. I'll take the over on that. I could see him getting a three or four. All right. And we're going to do the same uh, same number for the next two here. For Justin Reed, interceptions two and a half. Juan Thornhill, two and a half. What do you say? Hmm. Thornhill under, he's never been a huge picks guy, but I think he'll have a good year. I'll take the over on Justin Reed. Justin Reed, I'll, I'll take the over on. I um, Again, it's, it's hard. Like, you know, it's not like most guys don't like missions in a season. Most guys aren't Marcus Peters, but I could see Reed having, having four or so. Um, and he's so versatile. They'll put him all over the field. And sometimes you can confuse a quarterback with that and get him to throw one right at you. So, I'll take over on him. I'll take under on Thornhill, but I, I, I love uh, I love his potential this year. He's got to realize it, though. Yeah, I want to see uh, Juan Thornhill make the jump. And then lastly, couldn't forget about special teams, Harrison Butker. I want his over-under on points. I set it at 134.5. All right. You're going to make me do math in my head. Just dangerous. <laughs> All right. So 100, 134.5. Yeah, that's basically his average over the last five seasons. Well, if he hits, if he hits thirty-four field goals, that puts him at what? That puts him at like just over a hundred, hundred and two. 
And I'll, I'll say over, I think they're going to score a lot of points. Like, I, I know I know there's this like weird thought out there that because they don't have Tyreek Hill, all of a sudden Mahomes is going to turn into Kirk Cousins. Go ahead and bet that yeah. he doesn't turn into Kirk Cousins. They're going to score a lot. Uh, over. Over. My, my only concern really is Bucker has that weird case of like status he had two years ago where he was he was basically like God anything that wasn't 33 yards away. But on 33 yarders, he looked like me. So I would say I would say over. I, I, I think he'll get to – I can even see him getting you know, 140, 145, something like that. Stacey in the chat says over for Bucker. Angry Junk in German says, I think we'll possess the ball longer this year, more field goals and fewer punts. That name's hilarious, by the way. It's hilarious, yeah. Good, good, good for him. More sponsored by a German, uh, German style beer company, yep. uh, and Casey Beerco. All right, last one of the day for Butker missed extra points. Oh, I set this one at two and a half. Oh, over, love the guy, but over. Like he's <laughs> always good for like just one game a year. Yeah. We're like, what is happening? Like, he just like shanks two extra points. He he's funny because I've never seen a kicker that I at least I can remember. Like, I have less confidence in on an extra point than I do a 55-yard field goal. If, if he's yeah. lining up for an extra point, I'm nervous. I'm like, all right, come on, like, focus. you got to drive this one through. But I'll use, actually, a, a game last year as a perfect example. That Bills game, he was not good in that game, if you remember. He missed an extra point. He actually also missed at the end of the first half. At the end of the game, the end of uh, well, regulation, anyway, the end of regulation, I was <laughs> nervous as hell the whole way. And then he got out there for a 48-yard field goal. And despite the fact he had missed two kicks, I had complete confidence he was going to drill it right through the uprights. Like, he, he's always been clutch. And by the way, that even though they lost to the Bengals the following week, he was in the same spot. And he did it again. He put it right down the middle from 44 yards out. So yeah. I actually, you could, here's a fun bet for the for the people out there. And then I like Stacey's, so we may wrap up with that. Does he miss more extra points or field goals? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So last year, so just on, on, on Bucker, well, for his career, he's 233 for 248 in extra points. Yep. His, his, uh, his first year, he played 13 games. He had 28 for 28. And after that, you know, more scoring started to happen. He's 20 of 28 career, 50 plus, which is just incredible. It's insane. 36 of 36 of 42 from 40 to 49. Listen to this one from 30 yards to 39 yards, 52 of 54. So pretty much automatic from that range. He's perfect from 20 yards to 29 yards, 36 for 36. And in his entire career, this is an interesting one. He's only attempted two field goals from the one yard line to the 19th. And he's two for two. That's funny. One of those games I remember was Tampa. Did against Tampa in the regular season. But I he yeah. he does he cracks me up though because there are times like I'll watch and like they'll have some extra point that I'm like oh god like is he gonna hit it? But then they'll line up like that Chargers game like a couple of years ago the first game Herbert ever played and they line, yeah. and he had to kick that 58 yarder like three times because it kept like timeouts nailed all of them just kept just kept hitting them like with like plenty to spare too like would have hit them from like 65 yards and just did it like it was over and over and he's well, for, for his fault sometimes at extra points I think the only kicker in the league I take over is Tucker because he's got a ridiculous yeah. leg and every time the guy lines up for an important kick he drills it every time so he signed me up but real quick Stacy our our, uh, our guy says Chiefs wins 11 which by the way the Vegas line is dropped it's 10 and a half now but Wow. The line went from like, I think it opened at 11 and a half. That's 10 and a half. People are betting the under. Over, under for Stacy's line, 11. Would you take the over, the under, or would you push it? I'm going to push it. They got a tough schedule this year, but I'm not taking taking the under. The Chiefs are incredible under Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, but I'll push. I think 11 sounds about right. I'm over. Give me 12. You know why? Andy Reid's been the head coach of this team for nine seasons. A lot of those years, they only had 16 games in the schedule. They've won less than 11 once. And Mahomes has never won fewer than 12 games, ever. So he won the, his, his, when I say his rookie year, his first year starting. They went 13 and three. Then they went, the year they won the Super Bowl, they were, well, they were 12 and four that year. And then they went 14 and two and 14 and one when, before they rested their starters. And then last year were a tire fire for half the season and went 12 and five. Okay, I am not betting against this team to win 12-plus games. I have seen so many people nationally say, well, look at the division and look at – okay, I get it. The Raiders basically have me as a number one corner. They are going to have to score 50 points to beat Kansas City in a game. I don't know what Denver is, to be fair. They're the team for me. It's the hardest to figure out what they are. 
But the Chiefs won't see them until like December when the defense should be playing much better. And they'll split with the Chargers. I don't think the rest of their schedule is that crazy. Like People talk about it like it's this brutal schedule. The Rams are obviously very good to get them at home. The Niners, I have no idea what the Niners are going to be. Is Trey Lance great? Is he terrible? No idea. If he's not good, they should win that game. They're going to kill Seattle. Mm. They should beat Arizona. They think it's the AFC South. They should win every game in the AFC South. Like, at Indy's the toughest of the four, but they're better than Indianapolis. Like, to me, Buffalo's a very hard game. At Cincinnati's a tough game. And at Tampa. So you have, like, those three games. And then I'm not even including the Raiders as hard games. Like, you have those three games, Denver and the Chargers. So it's seven. I mean, hell, if they split those games, even if they they went three and four in those games, which I think they'll do better than. But even if they did that, and then I give them a loss to, like, Indy or the Niners or something. Like, or even the Rams. I, I think they'll I think they'll get the 12th. I do. And by the way, until somebody ever beats them in the division in any game that matters, I'm picking them. That's all they do is beat the hell out of those teams in every game that means anything. Well, they're loaded up on defense. It's going to be a new look team on both sides of the ball. I'm pretty fired up for them to get to camp. Uh, I'm starting to light my candles, my injury candles right now and make sure that get the prayer circle going. All right, everybody, this has been a lot of fun. We've gone long, but the audience is as high as it is right now. So that's been all show. So that means that you guys are, you guys are the shit you're hanging with us. You're watching. I hope you had fun. Uh, we tried to get you guys involved as much as we can. Uh, we'll be back next week. Verter- I don't know what the hell he said. Cause he froze again. The selfish son of a, but that's in here. Now that look, we want to thank you guys for coming on, for watching. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do it. Uh, of course, you can follow Patrick on Twitter at rpatchgown. You can follow me, at Matt Burton. You can super follow me, which is hilarious. Um, you do not have to, but you can. And we have one more show to do, at least Patrick and I do. We have one more show. And then the following show, training camp. We'll be in training camp. And that Thursday, actually, ironically, I'll be in Atlantic City. That's a whole other story. But next week is the last show that Patrick and I will do before the Chiefs are in camp, cracking pads, getting ready for the season. We can't wait. We will be here for all of it. And we have so much coming on down the line. We're going to have our Sunday show during the season. Believe me, we can't wait. So for Patrick Allen, frozen or not, I am Matt Verderan. Thank you for watching the Arrowhead Attic podcast sponsored by the Kansas City Beer Company. We'll see you again next week. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.